Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. Good morning, saints. Good morning, saints. So you believe that. I'm, I'm not Jimmy. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gary. I think I'm better looking than Jimmy, but I don't know. Maybe it's the beard. Jimmy needs a beard. Ah, so I'm going to be talking about um, that scripture that you just heard, or parts of it. A few parts of it. Um, Particularly the part that talks about us being saints and how to be a saint. The whole first part of Ephesians sort of establishes the fact that we are, spiritually speaking, we are saints. We are in Christ. We who are in Christ are, are saints. And I hope that by the end of this sermon, excuse me, you will come to believe that for yourself. And you'll lean into who you really are. You'll lean into your sainthood. Okay? Are you with me? All right. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for, um, for inviting us to be saints. Thank you that through Jesus Christ and through what he did for us on the cross, He made each one of us to be saints. So help us, Lord, to live into who we truly are, to live into our sainthood. Lord, I pray your blessing on this message on on each of us as we hear it. May it be as though your word is falling softly on our hearts like snow melting. In Jesus' name, amen. The great uh, Catholic novelist, 19th century novelist, uh, Leon Bloy, said the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy is to not become a saint. Anything else is unactualized Christianity. These words, saint and holy, get sabotaged, don't they? We hear them and they end up being used like weapons. Holiness and saints and all that. It become, they end up being used, you should be this way or you should act that way. Sadly, the church has um, sabotaged these words to where they've lost their meaning. Or maybe they're saying, you, maybe it, it goes the other way. I could never be holy or I could never be a saint. We end up sabotaging those words ourselves in our own minds and in our own hearts. Another early Christian philosopher said, uh, Justin Martyr, and this was around the year A.D. 100. He talks about the reason why churches were growing at this time. Churches grew because the people who were dissatisfied with their cultural and religious habits saw something in these Christians. These Christians embodied a new manner of life that pulled them toward what they called rebirth into a new life. And this new life actually had an effect on how they lived. 
how they loved and cared for others, especially the poor, and also their enemies. Faith in the early Christians was attractive. Sadly, we think that we will somehow win the loss by adding another program or trying to make everything look as much like you know, the world out there as we can so that in, in, in such a way we become indistinguishable from the rest of the world. Paul says it like this in chapter three or in chapter five that we just read at the verse verse three. He says, "But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be among you, as is proper for the saints." Paul tells us to act like saints. Paul's not saying you should act like saints. Paul's saying you have the privilege of being who you were created to be. And he'd been telling us this all along. If you've been following, the whole first half of the book of Ephesians talks about our identity in Christ, who we are in our heavenly spiritual identity. And now this second half, as Jimmy pointed out a couple weeks ago, has been about what that looks like. And what that looks like is to be saints. All right, I have three points and only 16 pages of notes. Well, it's like 24-point type, so I can't hardly read it otherwise. And my points are this, and, and they come in the form of questions. The first one is, why do we desire what we desire? The second one is, what does it mean to be a saint? And the last one is, what should we do about it now? So here's my first point. Why do we desire what we desire I mean, what do we desire? To be fully actualized as followers of Jesus. That, that is what we, that is, and I, I, sh- I don't want to say that's what we should desire because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to should on myself a lot. <laughs> and I don't want to put more shoulds on us, but, so I'm going to say it this way. We have the privilege of having the desire to be like Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if Jesus lives in you, then you have the privilege There's something inside you, something new starts stirring. As soon as you enter into this faith, into this Christian faith, something new in you starts stirring, and you're not satisfied with being any other way. You start to notice when you're not acting like a saint. It becomes more prevalent in your life. So it's not that you should, it's that there's something happens inside you that makes you want to. If you ask many today, do you want to be a saint? If I point blank ask you, do you want to be a saint? A lot of people would say, eh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't really sound appealing to me. Why is that? Well, first of all, sainthood is hard. <laughs> um, we may have thought that being a saint is not even possible. So it's like it's gone way off of our radar. Sainthood is not very glamorous. Unless you imagine yourself to be one of those saints on a stained glass window. I mean, those are pretty cool. In our times, sainthood, the notion of sainthood has negative connotations. Oh, they're just goody two-shoes. Or they're just, they just think they're better than me. These negative connotations. And sainthood requires sacrifice. Why would anybody want this? 
But the way, the true way of sainthood is the way of love. And we all desire love, don't we? We all desire to love and to be loved. And again, if you have Jesus in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, you desire to love. The Bible even tells us the Holy Spirit, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives in you moves you to love. The kind of love that God invites us into is the love that he has given for us, which is a sacrificial love. I love how St. Thomas Aquinas defines love. To love is to will the good of the other. To love is to will the good of the other. But we have this thing fighting against us all the time because our natural inclination is to will our own good. Even when we love someone else, we may want to love our friends or we may want to love certain people who are part of our tribe. We want to love them because, well, they'll love us back or we'll feel better about ourselves if we love them. To actually love the good of the other as other is hard, especially when it comes to loving the other. And especially when it comes to loving our enemies. The God kind of love is a supernatural love given to us from God. The philosopher Rene Girard talks about this thing called mimetic desire. What you desire is not necessarily something that, you, that just comes from yourself. You don't, you don't just make up your own desires according to Gerard, according to this philosophy. Your, your desires come from what you look at. Your desires come from what you want to model. Things from outside yourself often shape your desires. Mimetic desire. Remember that word mimesis or mimic or imitate. He says that our desires are not original to us. They are initiated by what we see modeled in front of us. This is why Targeted marketing and advertising is so effective. This is why social media and marketing and, and, and advertising through social media is so effective. We're actually living out Gerard's notion of mimetic desire every single day by scrolling, by liking, by sharing, by engaging with our social media. We're showing what we want. We're showing what we like. And... Marketers and advertisers are all too glad to put more of that in front of you, to make you want it more. This brings us to verse 5 in our, um, in our passage today. In verse 5 it says this, Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Tim Keller defines idolatry as anything I want more than God. That's a pretty broad definition of idolatry, but again, it's, it, it, I know it convicts me. There are times when I, I begin to engage with certain things and I, I begin to think, well, I, I sure would like to have that or I sure would like to live that lifestyle or I sure would like to be this way. 
I would like to be like this person. I'm, idolat- I'm idolizing them. I want this pleasure. I want these riches. I want this honor. These are things that we, that I, I know I do, I'm tempted all the time to engage in this form of idolatry. This world system relies on you and I desiring what we see. We want riches and pleasure and honor. Our idols are the things we desire to imitate. We see these things and the people who do these things and we become desirous of these things and these people. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not all bad or necessarily evil in and of itself. But be sure that the things we desire more than God will lead us to emptiness. It'll lead us into those empty words that verse 6 talks about. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Let no one deceive you with empty words or empty images or empty desires. We're invited to imitate this world constantly, and it's all empty. I'm going to take just a little bit of a side road here for just a second because we talk about this wrath of God. You hear this wrath of God and uh, it's, again, it's another one of those things that's been sort of co-opted and, and used against people. But the wrath of God, I, I love what the, any other Bible Project listeners here? Okay, thanks, Ed. One person. Um, the wrath of God, they talk about the wrath of God. It's in, and they say that in God, you see, uh, or in, in Scripture, you see God get angry. God's anger in Scripture, though, is always slow, it's always measured, and it's always restorative. It's most often expressed when he hands people over to the inevitable consequences of their actions. What Paul is telling us is these things in the world, greed and pleasures and and, and immorality, those things that we see and we like and we want, those things will lead us into a road of very negative consequences. And God will let us go there sometimes. I first became a Christian because I didn't want to experience God's anger. I'm just being honest. That's, I know that's not very popular nowadays to talk about being fearful of God, but my initial conversion experience was because of a sermon preached about God's anger and I don't want to go to hell. So I answered the altar call. You know what altar calls are? I know I'm, I'm a lot older than Jimmy too. So, <laughs> But altar calls are those things where they would call people forward and have you kneel in front of the, in front of the stage, you know, and like they pray for you. And so that was my, my response. My, one of my first, re- there were multiple altar calls in my life. And I responded to all of them, especially when I was a teenager because I needed to. <laughs> but one of the very first ones was this notion of God's anger. There's lots of layers in our conversions experiences, aren't there? And that was the first layer for me. It's also something, as we grow older, though, that we, tend, we grow out of. 
We don't necessarily do things out of a motivation of fear of God or like I'm afraid God's going to squash me if I do something bad. My motivations begin to change. I desire to please God. I want to love God. I don't, I don't want him to be angry. What makes him angry? Verse 5, again, he says, Be sure of this, no fornicator, impure person, or one who is greedy has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Immorality, impurity, and greed. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. So why is he angry? He doesn't want you and I to be deceived by these things. He is angry. He gets angry at these things because they keep us from being who we are. He gets angry at this system that keeps putting it in front of us all the time, trying to draw us away from him. Remember, we are saints of God. We have a different identity. We don't have to live into those things. And disobedience, when he talks about the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient, well, disobedience is, is a real thing that we can be disobedient to God. We can say, I know what God wants, but I want to do what I want. In other words, I would rather mimic or imitate the things of this world than the things of God. Again, I ask, who are we? We're saints. That's not us. That's not you. That's not me. We don't want to imitate the things of the world. So what does it mean to be a saint? Well, perhaps we don't really know what sainthood looks like. I mean, those figures we see depicted in art and stained glass, they seem so far away from us. It seems like those are just, those are stories of special people who did special things. They don't seem to have as much fun as we do, for sure. <laughs> Their pictures that we see on our social media screens seem much more appealing. <laughs> Here are some qualities of a saint. Those who live a virtuous life. Someone who's willing to offer their life for another. Those who act as a channel of God's grace. Those who are generous and unselfish. And in a word, those who love. Remember I said the way to sainthood is the way of love. And also, those who are saints are those who are worthy of imitation. Because not only are we invited to imitate God and be imitators of God and be imitators in, to the degree that we become saints, but we become those who are worthy of someone else imitating. Is this even possible? Well, Paul seems to think so. He says in verse 1 of our scripture today, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But fornication, impurity, and any kind of greed must not even be mentioned among you, which is proper, uh, which as is proper among saints. Paul is saying, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to be saints. We have a privilege and a responsibility to be who we are to be saints, to be holy, to mimic Christ, to no longer mimic the ways of the world. 
And this is why Jesus died. I used to think, well, Jesus died to save me from my sins so I can go to heaven. But, you know, usually the Bible answers some of these questions for itself. Like, why did Jesus die? And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this. It tells us why Jesus died. And he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. Jesus died so that we could imitate God. Jesus died so that we could be like him. Jesus died so we could live for him. That was the reason, one of the reasons why he died. I don't know about you, but I want my life, I want to come to the end of my life and go, it was worth Christ's death. I don't, I, now don't get me wrong, we don't earn our salvation. It's not like you're doing this so that you can earn salvation. It's a free gift. But we have the privilege of responding with gratitude by living for Jesus into our sainthood, into who we were called to be. We are called to mimic Christ. I say it again, to be who we were called to be, to be who we truly are. There are many Christians in this world, but there's few saints. There's a lot of Christians in this world, but there's few saints. You know, I said that for emphasis. <laughs> it's highlighted on my notes. It's pretty easy to be a Christian as defined by the contemporary culture today. You can be a Christian and still seek after impurity. You can be a Christian and still live immorally. You can be a Christian and still be greedy. Our calling is not to just be Christians, but to actualize that Christianity into sainthood, to become a saint. Maybe we don't really want to become a saint. Maybe we're content to just be a Christian. I mean, why be a saint when I can live as a Christian without all that work of becoming a saint? It's a good question. I mean, you know, if, if as many evangelical churches' doctrine says, you know, you just you say the prayer, invite Jesus into your heart, I'm going to heaven. I don't, why, why go to all the trouble to be a saint? Because we will be dissatisfied, internally dissatisfied, if we're not moving in that direction if we're not leaning into who we really are. There's always going to be something in us. And I pray that from this message, if nothing else, that something in you stirs up, I don't, I'm, I'm dissatisfied. I want to be more. I want to be more for Jesus. You were made to be a saint, and you won't be truly happy. You won't be truly filling whole until you lean into that. That's my prayer. I pray that. I pray that for myself. Lord, don't let me live this life without leaning into who I am in you, which is a saint. Now, what should we do now? This is, the, this is my last point. What do we do now? Well, Paul tells us, wake up. Uh, he says in verse, at the end of verse 14, it says, sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Wake up to who we truly are. Again, that's my, my hope for this message is that it's just a wake-up call to us to wake up to who we truly are. He goes on in verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, 
but as wise. Make the most of the time because the days are evil. Remember who Ephesians was written to. All the way back at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul is addressing us. He says, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints who are at Missio Dei, <laughs> to the saints who are in Uptown and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Remember, you have what it takes to be a saint. He's not, he's not telling you to just grit your teeth and, you know, pull up your bootstraps and become a saint. You already have it in you. It's in you. The potential to be that is within you. Verse 3 of chapter 1, again, going all the way back to the beginning of the book of Ephesians, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wake up to what you are currently mimicking, what you are currently imitating. Let's wake up to the idols that are in our lives. Let's awaken to our true identity in Christ and mimic him. So how do we do this? I'm all about spiritual formation and things that we can do. And, and uh, so I'm going to give you some practical things that we can do, just a few here. And then I'm wrapping up. I'm on page 15 now. <laughs> Here's some practical ways to redeem your time. Mimic those who mimic him. St. Paul told the church at Corinthian, in, in Corinth, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Do you know anyone in your life that could say that? Or is there anyone in your life that you are following because they follow Jesus? I want to be like that person. That person is following Jesus. I want to be like them. Paul wasn't perfect. We know that he wasn't perfect. We're not talking about being perfect. Holiness is not perfection, by the way. Sainthood is not perfection. Another way to do this is read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the stories of Jesus. Those give us, that gives us something to mimic especially the book of Mark. If you're looking for a good book that, to, it, particularly if you pray about this, ask Jesus, Lord, how do you act in certain situations? What do you do in cert certain situations? Read the book of Mark with that in mind because there's so much action there and it's very quick too. How do you act, Jesus, in certain situations? Make that your prayer as you're reading the book of Mark and let that uh, give you something to mimic, something to imitate. Also, read about the historical saints of the church. There's a reason why they're up in those stained glass windows. There's a reason why there's art made about them. Read about them. Let them be. Let them be your social media feed for a while. Look at them. I want to be like that. I want to be like St. Ignatius. I want to be like St. Francis. I want to be like these saints because of what they did and how they acted they give us great examples of something to imitate. There's a reason why they're so, they're made into saints. Uh, particularly read the ones who were martyred for their faith. <laughs> I mean, that's some serious stuff right there. <laughs> that's some serious stuff to lean into. That's some serious commitment. 
Now, I'm not saying you have to be there. I'm not there. I'm, man, I don't know. Sometimes I go, wow, could I do that? Could I really do that? But, but here's something to lean towards. Here's something to move towards. This gives us a goal to be like that. What made them like that? What brought them to that place? Read about them. Read their biographies. Read the saints. I, I see, a, I get an email thing every day, the saint of the day. Um, it's just a great way to start, start reading about the saints. And, and it's a great way to start engaging in, in that through the process of the things we're looking at already, our social media feeds and what have you. Are there saints in your own life? I know my grandma was a saint. My grandma was a true saint. I love her. And she, I'm sure it was because of her prayers that I'm actually here right now. It was because of her prayers that I'm actually, that I actually became a Christian. Maybe there's someone in your family who is a saint that you could follow. Is there someone who you admire for their commitment to Christ? Follow them the way that they follow Christ. Serve Jesus with them. Look at how they serve Jesus. Look at how they love others. Look at how they love their neighbors. Invite yourself to go with them in whatever acts of love that they have, whatever acts of service or acts of mercy that they engage in. All right, this is it, my conclusion. You've been called to be a saint. No one said it would be easy, and it's also not immediate. It's a process. This is, again, we're, we're sort of schooled under the, the notion of, well, I say a prayer, it's a done deal, where really our life is, our, our whole life is a series of conversions after conversions. We get converted multiple times over our lives. I used to think, oh, I backslid. Well, yeah, maybe I did. Because <laughs> there were times that I did, I, I turned away from God and I did other stuff that I probably shouldn't have done. And then I came back to God. It was part of my conversion story. It wasn't a one and done thing. Your life is not, your Christian life is not a one and done thing. This sainthood thing is not a one and done thing. It's not something that's like, okay, now I'm perfect, so therefore I'm a saint. It's a, it's a continual process of conversion. It's those layers of conversion that happen in our lives. And again, my hope for you today is that you'll at least consider maybe another layer if you haven't already. And I know there are some that already are walking in this way, but maybe some that haven't really, maybe you've thought, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, and, but there has to be more. I go to church on Sunday and uh, I read my Bible sometimes, and, but, there's, but is there more? And ask God, is there more? What's another layer of conversion that he could invite you to, that you could engage with? And this, this notion of being a sainthood probably won't make you happy, at least not in a temporal way. It probably won't give you the kind of happiness that we're used to getting immediately in the world. The kind of happiness, this kind of happiness, this sainthood kind of happiness comes in the deep abiding satisfaction of knowing that you are living for the right things, of being who you truly are in Christ and being pleasing to God, bringing joy and not the wrath of God who made you and redeemed you by his body and his blood. Knowing they are not perfect and that you are not going to be perfect. Find people to follow. Let the trajectory of your life tilt towards God who loves you more than life itself. Become who you really are in him. When you fall, know that Christ is there to forgive you, 
Being a saint, as I said, is not about being perfect, but it's about getting back up every time. Your life will be different. You'll attract others that will want to imitate you. That's what, that's what the whole process of discipleship is about, when people want to imitate you. And people won't be coming to church because of some kind of a program or entertainment. They'll be coming because they see something in those Christians that they want, something that's different. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.